It's Tuesday, February 8th. I'm Oscar Ramirez from the Daily Dive podcast in Los Angeles, and this is Reopening America. The rollout of Pfizer's COVID pills has faced shortages and criticism that state health departments are not prioritizing those at the highest risk of serious illness. The Biden administration has purchased 20 million courses of the treatment, but has only been able to release 265,000 courses due to production delays. Benjamin Ryan, contributor to NBC News, joins us for a look inside the U.S. rollout. Thanks for joining us, Ben. Thanks for having me. Let's talk about what's going on with these Pfizer COVID pills. When uh, Pfizer Mm -hmm. announced that they had these COVID pills that would help in the treatment of people that could get severely ill, everybody was uh, doing jumping jacks over. They're like, thank God we have more things that we can help treat people with. But right now what we're seeing and what we've seen kind of throughout the pandemic with rollouts of vaccines, other medications, it's very uneven. Pretty much every state has their own rules. Sometimes uh, they're prioritizing the people that are most vulnerable, most at risk. Other states are a lot more lax in their rules. And uh, what we're seeing is that it's kind of hard to come by these new Pfizer pills. So, Ben, tell us a little bit more about it, please. So, you know, we know that there's a great shortage of these pills. They take about six to eight months to manufacture. So Pfizer doesn't expect that there will be a robust supply until about April. The Biden administration has ordered and paid for 20 million doses, 10 million of which should be available by the end of June, and then the following 10 million by the end of September. So in the meantime, we're getting about 100,000 tax-related pills distributed by the federal government to the state health departments every other week in the face of a great wave and many people hospitalized, many deaths, et cetera. So I spoke to a lot of medical ethicists who said that in the face of such a shortage, you really need to limit the availability of such potentially life-saving medications to those for whom it would do the most good. And research suggests that for people who are the highest risk, we're talking about people who are immunocompromised, are people who are unvaccinated, are over 65, and especially if they they have other health conditions that raise the risk of hospitalization and death for COVID. For those people, you would only need to treat perhaps about 18 of them to prevent one hospitalization and death outcome. And the the farther you go down the tiers of risk, if you will, you go to younger people, people who are vaccinated, who are boosted, that sort of thing, the higher that number needed to treat to prevent one of those hospitalizations and deaths becomes, and therefore the less of a public health impact the use of the drug can have. So what we're seeing is that only a few states are actually doing this and limiting the drug to those very high-risk patients, which means that it's quite possible that in other states without that kind of limitation, without that kind of prioritization, the drug simply isn't having much of an impact as right. it could. And so far, we've only released about 265,000 courses right. of this treatment, which is, uh, it's, you're supposed to take it over the course of a few days. So we've mm-hmm. only had that small number, relatively small, small number, right, uh, sent out. And when you talk about people mostly high risk, you mentioned the unvaccinated. When they were doing these studies, they were being done in people that were unvaccinated because that's where they thought right. that it'd make the most impact there. So that's mm-hmm. why unvaccinated people are so high up on that list, too. When you do a study like this, in order to have a, a statistically significant result, you want to go into the the patient populations who are at the highest risk, who have the highest likelihood of having the outcome that you're trying to prevent. So that's why a study like that would be done in those very high-risk patients. So it's a question, though, because will people who have a certain personality or whatever it's about their life or their lifestyle or something that has prevented them from getting vaccinated, will those people also be unlikely to take a medication that could save them from hospitalization and death when they're early on 
in these cores of COVID-19 because you have to take Paxlovid within five days of symptom onset. So that's a big unanswered question that I'll be very interested to see in the coming months. But I spoke with a lot of doctors who are somewhat optimistic to say that there's a big difference cognitively in the attitudes that people have of taking a preventative that would prevent something that you might get versus you're sick now, hi doc, please make me better. (laughs) A lot of doctors have said, I feel optimistic because that's just the way the human mind works. People are afraid of needles. There's something about being injected with something that freaks people out, but they're very used to taking pills. Even though it's still something going into your body either way, it's just a cognitive difference that people have that have made doctors a bit optimistic that the unvaccinated out there might be mm-hmm. at least willing to take this, this medication. And so what does this mean, the shortages of pills, the rationing of it, you know, if it's being done, what does this mean in the practical sense, right? Somebody can prescribe this and you, you profiled a woman named Abby Robinson in your story mm-hmm. who basically had a call all sorts of pharmacies to see where she could get it. She, uh, I think she was in the Long Beach, California area. She had to end up going yeah. down to Orange County, which is kind of a drive in, in certain cases. And, you know, she was had to be basically in her sickened state and on the hunt for the medication. Luckily, there are a couple websites that people can look up. If you Google find Paxlovid website, HHS, that's the Human Health and Human Services uh, Administration, Google HHS and find Paxlovid. You should be able to find these websites that will pinpoint at least where they've been delivered. But then you've got to call the pharmacy and make sure they actually have it because it could be gone by now. So, yes, it is. Uh, I can think of very rude, for, rude, rude and curse word for what it is, but it's a lot. It's very difficult. I interviewed one family. The husband to get Paxlovid for his wife drove 230 miles each wow. way to get uh, Paxlovid from a pharmacy in southern Georgia. He was driving from Atlanta. He drove nine hours round trip to get Paxlovid for his wife. So we're seeing a lot of this. But a lot of what's actually happening, though, is that people who might not be at the greatest risk of hospitalization or death from COVID, they're nevertheless getting prescriptions for these and then going to Great Lakes to get it. And they're leveraging the financial resources they have. I spoke with one woman who got found Paxlovid for her friend. She was kind of helping him out because he was very sick. And he paid a medical courier in California $470 to go pick up Paxlovid for him and drive 100 miles to his house in California. So it's sad that the people with the greatest wherewithal or the finances or the time who can speak English, whatever it is that gives you an edge, are those the ones that are getting it. And sometimes those advantages are not very well associated with actually being high-risk hospitalization and death. And so the, the disadvantaged populations of the country are being disadvantaged even further by this first-come, first-served system. Well, we'll wait for the supplies to increase, and hopefully it eases the rest of this. But for now, yeah, I mean, you have to go to some mm-hmm. great lengths just to get the medication if you really mm-hmm. need it there. Benjamin Ryan, contributor to NBC News, and you can find all of his stuff on Twitter at Ben Ryan Ryder. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this has been Reopening America. Don't forget that for today's big news stories, you can check me out on the Daily Dive podcast every Monday through Friday. So follow us on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts.